Hey friend, thanks for checking out the Crosspoint Church podcast. It's our hope that these messages will encourage you to grow and thrive in your relationship with Christ. You can find more like this at thecrosspoint.com. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus this morning. As you turn to Exodus chapter 20, we're in a series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, let me just give a shout out to Owen Pyatt and Matthew Dressner. Owen's probably in kids' minute, but Matthew, are you in the room? Are you in? Wave to me if you're here. Yeah, right back there. Matthew was baptized today. Owen was uh, one of our students in our student ministry. Awesome to see that. We had two in the first service. Love when we get to celebrate in baptism. Well, today we're in uh, the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse eight, and we're in this series looking at the 10 commandments, less as a list of rules for you to obey and more as what is God speaking through the commandments? How are they relevant to us today? What do they say to our life? What do they tell us about who God is? Now, like some of you in the room today, I grew up uh, in a Christian home in the 80s and 90s, all right? And thank, so thankful that my parents got me in church all right, but there was something about Christian parents in the 80s and 90s. It's what comedian Nate Bargatze called, he calls those kind of parents the most Christian parents, all right? There was something about the parents raising their kids in the 80s and 90s, like they were hardcore. They were no joke. You didn't mess around with those Christian parents. And uh, there were certain things in the, house, in the Hartman household that we just didn't do. It was the no fun list as a kid. That's what I thought of it, all right? So, uh, you know, I wasn't allowed to go trick-or-treating, and as much as I would plead every, uh, every October, I just, I knew I was never convincing my parents to let me go. We couldn't listen to secular music. So you better not let your, my parents catch you tuned into the secular radio station in your room, or we couldn't see the fun movies that all my friends were watching. And so on a Friday night, they're getting together watching Nightmare on Elm Street, and I'm sitting at home watching Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken with my family. And I kind of took that no fun list into what I thought of God as a young kid and the Ten Commandments, and I thought the Ten Commandments were just God's no fun list. Like, here are all the things you can't do, everyone else is doing them, but you're a Christian, so you can't do them. You can't cuss, you can't uh, disobey your parents, you can't mow the grass on Sunday, all these things that you can't do because you're a Christian. And here's what I failed to realize. Pastor Sean helped us with this last week that oftentimes behind a no is an even bigger yes to something else. You see, I didn't realize at the time as a kid that my parents telling me no to Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street was actually yes to being able to sleep through the night without having nightmares. Like, and I'm so thankful my parents shielded me from that. It was a gift. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was actually a really big yes in my life. And what I've learned about God is the same thing. It oftentimes, what we perceive as a no is God saying there's yes to something better. And that's what I think we see here. We've been learning this about the Ten Commandments, is what is God saying? And so today we're gonna read a few verses, uh, starting at verse eight. So Exodus 20, verse eight, it'll be on the screen if you don't have your copy of God's word. Here we go. 
It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, uh, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There was a recent poll done on Americans and the poll question was this. How relevant do you think the Ten Commandments still are to your life? And so they went through and you had to list and rate each one either really relevant or not relevant at all. And not surprisingly, there were a few that were in like the top 90%. Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie. 90% of Americans, Christian, non-Christian, still believe that this is very important, those three things. But as you continue down the list, you know, obeying your mother and father, don't take the Lord's name in vain, the, the percentages started to drop very quickly. And can you take a guess at what was dead last at not relevant at all into most people's life? What was it? I'll give you a hint, I'm preaching on it, so this is, it's setting it up really well. Yeah, it's the Sabbath, dead last. Less than half of Americans feel that taking a Sabbath break, a Sabbath rest has any relevance in their life. And I would go even a little further and say that if you ask people sitting in churches all across America this morning, I don't know if the percentages would be much higher than that poll. Because we feel like often, at least here's how I feel, man, this is just a different world than it was back then when God gave the command and we're really busy and we're connected and I've always gotta be checking my email and now I don't even have to drive to the office to be in the office. All I have to do is roll over in the morning and slide my phone open and I'm connected with the office. I'm connected. I can read the emails and I've gotta got do this. I've gotta be stay busy so that I can get ahead. If I slack and I'm not busy, I'm not gonna get the promotion. Students, maybe you say, I've gotta get that scholarship, so I've gotta study, study, study. And maybe we feel this. It's amazing, on a Sunday morning, I walk around the church and I talk to people, and no matter if it's a student, a married couple, when I ask the question, how are you doing? How was your weekend? How were your kids? Even how was your vacation? Guess what the answer I hear? Busy, busy. And we wear busyness like a badge of honor. We wear it like, if I'm busy, I'm important. If I'm busy, I matter. And we're afraid, like even if you didn't have a busy weekend, you're afraid to say, actually, I didn't do anything this weekend. Like people are gonna say, like, I'm a slacker. I am not making, I'm not leveling up here. And so we say busy, but here's the question. Here's that kind of kept nagging at me as I was studying this week. If modern day Christians have evolved from needing a Sabbath, like if we don't need a Sabbath anymore, then why do I constantly feel so drained? Why do I feel so worn out? Why do I feel like sometimes my Friday runs straight into Monday morning and I'm running on empty? Why do the moms and dads and students and retirees even that I talk to in church, why do they feel so worn out? If we don't need it anymore, why does it feel like we need it? 
Sometimes we feel like Bilbo Baggins felt in Lord of the Rings. You remember that line when he says, I feel like too little butter spread over too much bread. You feel that sometimes? Feel like you're just stretched way too thin. We've got the pace to keep up and it's go, go, go nonstop. But there's a cost to all that. John Mark Comer, who's a pastor, he says this about the pace of life that we live at. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. And the byproduct of a life where you're always at that pace is anger and anxiety and a feeling of disconnect from God and those around you, a lack of love and empathy. There is a kind of busyness that goes past your schedule and into your interior being. We feel it, and it's not just that we're tired. It's not just we need a nap. It's not, I'm not saying that we just need to go home today and take a two-hour nap, and this is gonna fix it, because the tiredness goes beyond our body. It's our soul that's tired. It's gotten all the way into our soul, and it's this perpetual tiredness, perpetual worn out, and we kind of live in this low-level, low-grade exhaustion all the time. So what do we do? What do we do as Christians who live in a nonstop culture that's always going? Well, I think God speaks to this question in the passage we just read, this fourth commandment. Look at the first three words that we read today, verse eight. It says, remember the Sabbath. Now, why do you think the writers of the Bible, why do you think God says remember something? What do you think that says about us? We are prone to forget it. If God has to say, hey, remember, then it's probably an issue of mankind. It's probably something that humans over time tend to struggle with. And so God says, remember the Sabbath because it's so easily forgotten. He is initially speaking this. In this text, in Exodus chapter 20, God is speaking the Ten Commandments to Moses And he's speaking it to the Israelites who have just come out of generations and generations of slavery in Egypt. And while they were in Egypt, their time was not their own. They were forced to work night and day. They were forced to do manual labor. They couldn't go for a stroll. They couldn't take PTO. They couldn't go on a vacation. Their time was not their own. And the only value that they had was their outcome was their output, was their efficiency. That's what they were valued on. How much work can you get done? That was, they were reduced to the work that they did. And God comes along and miraculously delivers them out of Egypt. And he brings them into a land and he's establishing a new, a new schedule. He's establishing a new nature in how he's gonna act to them. Again, all they knew is I'm defined by what I do. And now God says, listen, I want you to remember the Sabbath. Remember to rest. Remember that we are gonna take a 24-hour period in your week and you are going to stop working. You're gonna rest, you're gonna worship, You're gonna enjoy creation, you're gonna enjoy each other, you're gonna enjoy good food. And somehow, Christians have said that the Sabbath is legalistic, that the Sabbath is a bad thing. Does that sound like a bad thing to you? 
Like if I said, hey, I want you just to take the day off, go home, enjoy, read a little bit of the Bible, sit by the fireplace, talk to your, go out and get some good food, I don't think you'd be complaining much. And yet somewhere along the, the line, we have forgotten the Sabbath or we've forgotten what the Sabbath was really meant for, and we've reduced it to just a list of rules, and so we've thrown it all away and said, no, we don't need that anymore. But God says, remember the Sabbath. Remember it. And he says here in verse 11, I'd like to focus on just a few things that God did. So he said, remember the Sabbath, and then he points us back to Genesis. He points us back to the creation story. If you read verse 11 here, it is almost word for word out of Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3. And so he is establishing something that this is not just a law. This is not just something that God thought up after the Israelites got out of slavery. This is actually something that God established at the very beginning of time. So Sabbath is not just a law idea, it's actually a creation idea. It's something that God designed. So if you remember in creation, it says God created the heaven and the earth, and he goes through in the six days, and he creates the sky and light and darkness and animals and fish, and then on the sixth day, the land animals and then humans. And often we think that day six, God creating you and I, God creating Adam and Eve and mankind, that that's God's finale. That's the magnum opus. But there's another day. And it says that on the seventh day, I'll read it in verse 11, for the, in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, and rested on the seventh day. It says that God rested well, pastor, you know what? I'm a type A person and I like to go, go, go. God rested. Well, I'm just young and I will rest when I get older. I don't really need that. God rested. If God rested, how much more do we need to rest? It's interesting here. Sabbath means to rest. It means to cease work, to have a break, and it's a verb. So God, Sabbath is not, rest is not something that's happening to God. He's not falling on the couch and saying, oh, I am so worn out, I couldn't create another thing and falling to sleep. That's not the picture here. It's a verb. God chose to rest. God is all-powerful. He, he wasn't worn out. He wasn't tired. He didn't lack energy. He chose to rest. And what we see in this word is less of a, a like just sleeping nap and more of that feeling you get when you've worked in your backyard all day and you've gotten your hands dirty. Maybe you've planted some flowers, you did some work around the yard, and at the end of the day, you pull up a lawn chair and you grab a nice ice cold iced tea and you sit there and you look out at what you've done and you say, wow, we really did some good work today. That's kind of what God is, the picture here, that God created this amazing creation and he rests and he enjoys his creation. He takes a break. But it doesn't just say he rested. It goes on and says that he rested on the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath. It says that God blessed this. In Genesis 1 and 2, God only blesses three things. 
First thing was the creatures, the animals. He says that he blessed them so that they would multiply and procreate and fill the earth with animals. And then he says with Adam and Eve, he said God blessed Adam and Eve and said be fruitful and multiply. Again, both those have to do with reproducing life. And then oddly enough, God blesses a day. God blesses the Sabbath. Why would God bless a Sabbath? I think it's because that there is something different about this day. There's something powerful. There's something life-giving that when we stop and we rest, God knows how much we need it, and God in those moments when he can get our attention, when we're present and we turn off the phone and we put away the, the devices and we enjoy and we're present with our family and God, something happens to our soul. It begins to multiply life. God says there's gonna be something different, powerful about this day. Now, some of you may be in here and you say, well, which day is Sabbath? Which is, the, is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? We'll talk about this in a little bit. I don't think God gets hung up as much about the day. In Jewish culture, it was Sabbath. It was the seventh day. It was at the end of the week. After Jesus rose from the dead in the resurrection, the early Christians began to celebrate it on Sunday, the beginning of the week, celebrating Jesus' resurrection from the grave. We celebrate it most often on Sunday. Today is often, for a lot of you, today is the day you celebrate <clears throat> as Sabbath. It's the day we worship together. And maybe you feel this when you come together with other believers and you spend the day, you stop working, you don't go to the office and you come here and then maybe you go home and, and you enjoy your family, doesn't it do something to your soul? Isn't it amazing how it gives life to the other six days of the week? When you don't run all together, when you don't work seven days but you take a break and you hit the reset button and you allow God to refresh you, it actually speaks life to your soul and speaks life and you approach the other six days of your week differently. That's not an accident, God blessed it. He said there's something powerful about a Sabbath rest. He rested, he blessed it, and then finally the last three words, he made it holy says that God made Sabbath holy. Holy means to be set apart, to be different, to be used for something different. I've got a pair of swim trunks tucked in some drawer at home. I wouldn't even dream of using them this time of year, all right? You wouldn't wanna see my pasty white legs that haven't seen the sun in weeks. But there's coming a time, I know it's hard to believe, but when it will be 90 degrees here in St. Louis and the pools are open and we're swimming and I'm gonna break out those swimming trunks and they have a purpose and the purpose is fun and I can't wait for that day. It's gonna be great, but I wouldn't show up on a Sunday morning wearing my swim trunks because they're not made for that. They're made for a different purpose and God says that the Sabbath day is made for a different purpose. He said, six days you work, six days you do what you need to do, six days you run errands and you do all that, but there is a Sabbath that is made for something different than work, made for something different than just getting stuff done and making and putting the check on the checklist. It's made for soul care. It's made for worship. It's made for you to enjoy God's creation. It says that he blessed it. Interesting enough, this is the only thing that God says is holy in all of the creation story. 
He doesn't say that the stars are holy or the sun is holy or the animals are holy or even the people are holy. The only thing God calls holy in the creation narrative is the Sabbath. Now, I would have thought God would have made a holy place, like a holy mountain, like make a holy place, and if you wanna get refreshed, all you have to do is go to that place, and then you'll get refreshed. That's what I would have done if I was God. But God knew that if I make this time, that if I sanctify time, then it doesn't have to be in Israel. It doesn't have to be at Crosspoint. It can be in a one-room apartment here in St. Louis that you can observe Sabbath and God can come into that holy moment where you've chose to rest and he can do a good work there. And he can do it in Illinois. He can do it in South County, in Jefferson County because it's not a place that's holy. It's a day, it's a time that you can celebrate wherever you are. God said, I want you to be able to, all across the world, celebrate Sabbath. It fascinates me that Adam and Eve, their first full day, what were they doing? So God creates them on the sixth, but the seventh is their first full day in God's creation. First full day as humans, first full day in the garden. And what does God choose to do? Rest. I don't, you know, some of you are like, that's not a good business plan, man. They could have got a lot done if they would have said, chop, chop, here we go. There, you start working with that rake. I'm gonna go in, plant some carrots. Like, that's how we work. Like, oh, time is money. Come on, let's get this going. But instead of putting them right to work, God chooses to sit with them and enjoy and show them that who they are matters to him that they will not, that humanity was never designed to be valued by what they do, never meant to be valued by what they, their output and their productivity and efficiency. Those are all labels that man has put on us. Those are all labor, lab, labels that we put on each other that I'm only as valuable as what I do. That's not the precedent God established. He said, listen, day one, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know that I am God and know my character. And so when we look at Sabbath and what God established, it is this amazing weekly reminder that we are not what we do. We're not what we do, but who we are loved by. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a no to me. Doesn't sound like a bad thing. It actually sounds like a gift that God has given us that he has given us this gift, and he says that this day is blessed. It has power to do something in your soul. It is holy, it is gonna be different. It is this time that you set apart each week for Sabbath rest. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about the Sabbath. Now sometimes we think, well, isn't the Sabbath just an Old Testament law and that's why we don't, we're not, we don't have to do it. And that's why, you know, there is grace in the New Testament. There is grace that Jesus brought. This is why some of you that work on Sundays, you're, we're not like, hey, you need to stop working on Sundays. No, there's grace. God is grace. Pastors, we work on Sundays. But when you get to the New Testament, sometimes there's this idea that Jesus just wiped out Sabbath. And he starts over and he's just like, okay, new Christians, Christians after Jesus, we, can, we don't need the Sabbath anymore. That's an, that's an Old Testament law. But a reminder that it was established pre-law. It was established at creation. It was something God wove into the very creation. 
DNA. And so when we get to Mark chapter two, it'll be on the screen here. There's one verse that I wanna look at, but there is this picture of Jesus is walking with his disciples through a grain field. And, and as they're walking, it's Sabbath. <coughs> and as they're walking, some of the disciples start picking some grain and they're popping it in their mouth, a little trail mix for the road. You know, they're hungry, a little snack. And so they're going along while well, some religious people saw them, some Pharisees. And the Pharisees got so upset because technically in their eyes, the disciples were harvesting grain, which is work, which is a violation of the Sabbath law. And so they began to confront Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus says this. <laughs> he says in Mark 2, 27, listen to this. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Here's what he's saying. Sabbath was made for man. It was a gift that God created. It was a gift for man, men and women. And not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was never meant to be a list of rules. It was meant to be life-giving. And the Pharisees were so afraid to break the law. They were so afraid that they had created all these rules upon rules upon rules. And what happened, instead of being a life-giving day, a life-giving rest, instead of being something they looked forward to every week, it became a life-draining list of rules that sucked the life out of the very Sabbath that was meant to give life. All their rules sucked the life right out of it. And some of you have grown up in a culture of that. Like, there were so many rules in religion and there's so many rules and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do it that those rules sucked the joy right out of that. But for the most of us, for many of us in the room, Christians, modern day Christians, have let the pendulum swing all the way to the other side. Instead of having hundreds of rules about how to keep the Sabbath, we don't have any rules. We have no rules. Instead of overthinking the Sabbath, we don't think about the Sabbath at all. I think what Jesus is saying here, it's not just a rebuke for the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees had swung one way and they said that really they had stopped trusting in God and they had started trusting in the way they kept the law, their own self-righteousness. And so they were good if they kept the law good enough. And he's saying that, yeah, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. And on the other side, where a lot of modern Christians land, is that we don't trust in God at all. We trust ourselves to get us through the week. We trust in our own resources. We trust in our own infinite abilities that we think, I've got this. I don't need a Sabbath. And so we have done the same thing the Pharisees have done just on the opposite end of the spectrum. We said, I don't need God. I can do it myself. I don't need a break. I don't need a Sabbath rest. I've got this. And so we run our schedules all the way to the margin. We fill it up and fill it up and we overfill it. And what are we communicating to God? That we really don't need that life-giving rest anymore that somehow we're better than that, that we've moved beyond it. And when Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man, he's saying 
Remember the Sabbath. It's a gift. He said that you can misplace your trust in God in two ways. It can be about rules, but it can also be about no rules and no break and no Sabbath. And Sabbath, in the words of Jesus here, is a regular reminder that we are not God. When it says that Sabbath was made for man, God knew that man was finite, that we are finite, that we have limited resources, that we can't work seven days a week over and over again. God knows this about us. He created us, and so he has said, hey, I've given you a gift, and it's a gift of rest. It's a gift for your soul. Jesus says that, who do you trust in here? Who do you trust? So when he says, remember the Sabbath, remember the gift, I know what I look like when I don't take a Sabbath. Especially sometimes, and again, we're not getting legalist. If we start saying, well, you missed it once, and is it this day, that's an example of missing the point. That's an example of what Jesus is saying. Like, you're forgetting the gift. And there are some weekends where I just don't, like my weekend, my schedule gets too busy and I don't. But if that happens too often, I know the kind of guy I am. I know the kind of dad I am when I don't take a break. I know the kind of husband I am. I know the kind of pastor I am when I fail to take that Sabbath break. And I also know the same, the opposite. And we're closing in this, the team can come. I also know what happens when I do take a Sabbath. Now, like I said, pastors, we work on Sunday, and so my Sabbath is on a Friday most often. It's my day off, it's a time when I exchange the Bible commentary for a nice ax, and I go out and I split some wood, and I know what you're saying, hey, isn't that work? Well, I work in an office all day. I'm on a computer much of the time. I'm counseling with people. So for me, to go out in the backyard and split some wood is not work for me at all. It actually refreshes my soul. It gets me out in nature, in God's creation, and I hear the birds, and I'm splitting that wood, and I'm stacking, and I'm working with my hands. Or maybe it's going out to a good Mexican food with Jess on our, my day off and our Sabbath, and we're enjoying some good Mexican food, and we're talking. We're talking about what God has done. Or maybe it's a game night with the kids. But one thing I know is that when that happens, I'm a better version of me. I'm a better Josh when that happens. Often what it requires is me unplugging from technology, turning off the phone. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you hold down that button on the right side of your phone <laughs> and then slide that thing, it will actually turn off. I know what you're thinking, isn't that illegal? Like, you're not allowed to turn off your phone. <laughs> Trust me, it's okay. And something cool happens if I turn my phone off, even for three or four hours. Like, I slide that off, and I turn it, and I put it somewhere. I put my laptop in the bag, and I say, hey, on Fridays, as much as I can make it. It doesn't all this work, but I'm not going to get on the laptop. I'm not going to be on my phone scrolling through Instagram because that stuff tends to suck the life out of me. 
so for me, a Sabbath is life-giving when I choose to. Sabbath, rest, is a verb. You have to choose. It doesn't just happen, especially in this digital media age. Rest doesn't just happen. You have to choose it. But something happens to my soul even a couple hours into Sabbath and rest, and it's like, wow, I found myself again. I kind of lost myself there for a little bit. I just got caught up in everything, and you can breathe a little bit better. Jesus says something to stressed out people, to people who struggle not taking a Sabbath, people who like to run their life to a margin. So if that's you, let me read a verse to you. And I wanna kinda end here. I want you to listen to this. You've heard this verse before, most likely. But Jesus didn't come to eliminate the Sabbath. He actually came to embody the Sabbath. He became Sabbath rest for us. So do we still need a day, 24 hours? Yes, but we come to Jesus. And look what he says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, all who are stressed out, overworked, full of anxiety, all those that don't know that dread Monday morning, those are the people Jesus says, hey, come to me. Maybe there are some in the room who are stressed out, run to the max, running 100 miles an hour, but you're running out of gas. Maybe that's you. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. (laughs) That's what we need, don't we? I would say today that modern Christians have not outgrown the need for a Sabbath. I would actually say we probably need Sabbath more than anyone in history. We need a break. Will it be easy? No. And some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Josh, that sounds so nice, but it's just unrealistic. I've got my job, I travel, I've got the kids. (coughs) You just don't understand. Like, that is too high of a cost to give up 24 hours. And I would say this, it is costly, but so is not taking a Sabbath. Not taking a Sabbath is taking you somewhere maybe a heart attack or an anxiety attack or a moral failure because you've run your life to the edge. That's not how you were designed. And there will be a moment where nature slows you down, where your body shuts you down. And I'm not saying you take a Sabbath each week and you're never gonna have a heart attack, you never, but I would say there's a direct correlation, 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 there you go. (laughs) Just took me a second. To Sabbath rest and our health and our mental health. And that's because God created us that way, all right? When God says, remember the Sabbath, it's not a no, it's not a list of rules, it's a yes to an incredible gift that will change your life. So I wanna pray for us today before we go. Pray that God would help us. Would you bow your heads? (coughs) Father, we thank you that you give good gifts. You say that even like a father knows how to give good gifts, how much more do you? I pray for all of us 
that you would remind us the gift of Sabbath, the gift of rest, the gift of slowing down, the gift of enjoying creation, sitting with you and admiring what you've done in our life, like we sang about earlier today, what you've done. Now, God, I pray if there's anyone here right now, maybe they're listening and they're in the room and they're wrestling and this sounds good, but their life and their busyness is calling to them, I pray that you would help them, even if it's a few hours a week right now. Maybe it's not 24 hours, but they can take a step, one step towards slowing down and enjoying your presence. God, we need this. We wanna be Christians for the long haul. We wanna be good fathers and mothers and husbands and wives for the long haul. And so we need your rest. So God, I pray this, help us. We need your help. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you got some homework this week, but it's good homework. Take a break, take a rest. Talk to your spouse about, hey, what would this look like if we took a day each week, Sunday, Sunday afternoons? Hey, if you're looking to join a life group, connect with our church, learn more about Jesus. Our next step room is to the left. Love for you to stop by there. Have a blessed day as you go. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us. You can check out thecrosspoint.com for more resources like this.